Uh, thank you, uh, Steve, for so graciously filling in for me last week. I heard good reports, and uh, truly, I wish I was here with you last week instead of where I was, but praise the Lord of His healing. Amen? And uh, it's so good to see so many of you back. I know we all have been suffering with sickness, but in the name of Jesus, His healing is ours. Amen? A couple of announcements to make. Uh, the State of the Church Address is this coming Sunday. Yes, it coincides with us being uh, uh, in a series, Too Busy Not to Pray. We are going to take a moment and pray for our nation during worship. But we are going to talk about the State of the Church Address, what God has done. We have many reasons to celebrate. So next week, would you make sure you're here as we give that report to you again there are many things we have to be thankful for, many things we are excited about God for as we look to the new year. Amen? Then also, AG16, if you have ever wondered what our fellowship that North Lake Church belongs to, the Assemblies of God, what they believe a little bit deeper about what they're about, Matt Miller is going to be teaching a class starting the first Sunday of February over the 16 Fundamentals of the assembly of God and if you have not uh, either uh, really understood these or if maybe you have and you just enjoy another refresher course I promise you it will be good so I encourage you to be out nine o'clock we'll be done a little bit before ten you'll still be able to get your coffee have a little bit time to fellowship and so I encourage you to be at that class, the AG16. Then our Super Bowl party is fast approaching. And uh, unfortunately, there are some who have the wrong team in the Super Bowl today. But uh, I know, I know, I, I, am, I am a sore thumb, sore thumb among the Washingtonians. However, well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We'll see, <clears throat> we'll see today uh, who, who has a uh, right to uh, claim victory, right? <laughs> anyway, we are going to have a good time, so we invite you to be here Super Bowl Sunday in the afternoon. We'll be showing it on the big screen. We're trying to get some stuff together for halftime because sometimes the halftime aren't quite as good as what we would like, so we're going to try to put some other stuff together for you during that time. Uh, come and bring your favorite snack and just hang out. It's a Super Bowl hangout party. And uh, just stay as long as you would like, and we're going to have a great time. Amen. All right. Would you grab your Bibles? Would you grab your electronic devices, whatever it is that you have, and get ready? We're talking about too busy not to pray. Let's get ready to receive the Lord's word into our hearts this morning. This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Hallelujah, because we are convinced. We're not just got a fancy about it. We're convinced that the living water changes everything one life at a time. So we're talking about too busy not to pray. It is our focus for January, and today we are talking about and focusing upon our community. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. 
So if you have your Bibles, get there, turn with me. Let's take a look at it together. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I am also been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Now, how many of you know the Lord has a unique way of knowing what it is that his word is going to be presented. And in the message this morning that we heard, and by the way, if you're a little unfamiliar with the moving of the Holy Spirit, we want to be allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to the body. And if this is a little unique to you, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And here it talks about these gifts that we experienced this morning and how the Lord spoke to us this morning about being salt. You would think again that people follow me around as I plan my sermon. But that doesn't happen, but how many of you know the Holy Spirit is perfect and knows that which we need to hear? The Holy Spirit knows that which we need to be encouraged with. And so as we look at this, we are going to talk about the fact that he says, conduct yourself, and he says to pray. I'm not sure what's happening on the screen. But, thank you, <laughs> prayer, the first thing that we want to talk about is that Paul encourages us that we ought to be in prayer, that we ought to be lifting our voices together as a church here at North Lake. The community of believers that God has called us to be need to be raising our voices together in prayer. Raising our voices together in prayer. I'm thrilled to report to you that there are over some 80 people that have signed up for to be an intercessor when we have prayer needs. That when a prayer need comes at any particular time, there could be up to 80 people praying for your need. That's exciting. And, and we want to not only be praying for specific needs. Here, Paul is saying that you ought to be praying specifically for what? For the area of where you are. Where was Paul? Well, he was in Colossae, but he also was in a very difficult spot. He wasn't at home with his feet up getting ready to watch a Seahawks game. <laughs> he was in prison.
reason. He was in circumstances that were less than great. In fact, knowing of the prisons that they had back then, it was probably something that we would not like to have. And yet Paul says, lift your voice in prayer, and his prayer is not Please pray that God will comfort me and that God will get me out of here and that God will punish these that have me imprisoned. What does he pray? Pray that the mystery of Christ will be revealed to the people. That is what God has called North Lake Church to as a community to share with the community. That the mystery of Christ would be known. You say, Pastor Brian, I don't know. I don't see a lot of people that are in tremendous need. Well, just because you don't see need on the outside doesn't mean that there isn't need on the inside. And so Paul says to pray. And he uses the term devote. The term devote means to give attention to, to be loyal and faithful. And so as we pray, it's not just a one-time thing, but we are praying as we are going about where God calls us in this community. That's the neat thing about what's happening at North Lake Church. It's not just one area of the community that's being touched. Look around you this morning and see how many touch points for Jesus are happening in the community. We need to lift our voices together, encourage one another that wherever it is that Jesus has placed you, whatever people he set before you, that you would see with spiritual eyes and pray that the Lord would uncover the mystery of Christ to people. Now you say, well, Pastor Brian, what do you mean the mystery of Christ? Everybody knows about Jesus here. There are nobody. Yes, there are those who most of the time you ask them who Jesus is. They will tell you, well, of course, I know who Jesus is. Uh, he was a, uh, a teacher. He was a prophet. He was a good person. He lived about 2,000 years ago. And they can t but they don't know him. You understand what I'm saying? And, and in fact, again, we cannot judge just by the outer appearance whether people have what they need in life. Because there are many, and God, let's face it, has blessed our community, even in our time of recession, even in our time that we have struggled through here, we have lived in a very blessed area. We need to give, and that's another thing that Paul says, pray with thanksgiving. If Paul can be in prison and give thanksgiving to God, I think that we, being placed here, need to give praise to God for his blessings. What I'm saying is, we need to pray 
that we would also see with the eyes of the Spirit. Because truly, we often only see what's on the outside. We look and we make a judgment literally sometimes within seconds. Oh, that person's fine. Oh, that person has it together. And we miss because people, no matter how old, no matter what color, no matter what economic status, all of them are people that have this hole without God. And so that is what Paul is praying about when he says, pray that the mystery of Christ, the mystery would be revealed, would be shown. Prayer is a very important thing, and often, again, we can get so caught up in circumstance. We can say, ah, yeah, but look at our nation. I mean, if we were the nation we were in the 50s, Brian, we'd be out doing all that stuff. But I find truly a scripture that convicts me. If my people, if my people, not if the people who are just out there in the community. God here in Chronicles is talking specifically about those that are His. If you will humble yourself. Well, I have the gospel. See, sometimes it's an attitude adjustment. It's never been just about you. I know that's shocking to a lot of us. It's Because my flesh does the same thing, guys. And I have to reckon it to be dead. Because otherwise it tells me what I ought to be doing. But the Spirit of God tells me something different. The Spirit of God says, if my people which are called by my name, Christians, the reason we're called Christians is because Christ is supposed to be present in our hearts. And so if we would humble ourselves and pray, and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Remember the greatest hope for our community, Camus and the surrounding areas, is that God would change my heart. That God will change my behavior. That God will change me in such a way to put me on fire 
Are you awake? All right, we're on again. <laughs> the greatest hope is that God will touch our hearts in such a way that with fire that he creates in us, it's not fire of your personality. It's not fire of you just being charismatic. It's the fire of God. That God would give us that. That is the greatest hope for our community. And so it starts with me saying, God, let me turn from my selfish, wicked ways. I have to say, Brian, no, 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 several times a day. <laughs> I hope that's not shocking to you because it's true of all of us who are following after Jesus. My flesh is constantly screaming what I ought to do. And I have to say, no, I reckon you to have been crucified with Christ. And not I who lives, but he who lives in me. Hallelujah. So we need to be in prayer. We need to be praying that the Lord will move on us. And here's the promise of God, that he will hear then. That he will hear. And that he will forgive the sin and heal our land. I know that we've heard that sermon before, but it's time for us to respond. It's time for us to respond. So prayer is the first thing that we are to do. And praying with an attitude again of thanksgiving, of gratitude. Again, if Paul can do it in jail, then we can do it in our circumstance. Amen? Hallelujah. Then God has given the church a message. And it's a message not only that needs to be spoke and needs to be listened to, but before we can truly get a grasp on the message, we better spend time with God. 
Now let me explain the importance of this. Too often, we start with what we feel is the message of God, and if we aren't continuing to talk to God and listen to God, we go off half-cocked. We go off in a direction that is full of self, that is full of religion, that is full of all kinds of things that are not of the Spirit of God. And we need to be careful that once the message of the gospel has been entrusted to us, that we would continue to be in constant communion with him so that we would be hearing him speak and listening to his instructions so that when we encounter those people, we're not speaking what we would do. We're not speaking or hearing what my flesh, what my mind, what Brian would do. I want to hear what the Spirit of God says. For anything that I say is nonsense. But when God speaks, there's life. Hallelujah! Praise God! And I don't have to worry about anything cracking or... I may have to switch to this, Nick. <laughs> Nick's thinking, I know, ever since he saw these things, now how, what am I going to get that is going to somehow outlast Pastor Brian? <laughs> the message of the gospel can only be as accurate as we hear from God and directly relay it to those around us. Otherwise, it becomes religion, it becomes condemnation, it becomes us trying to conform others to make them look like us. That does not happen. God never conforms people. He transforms them from the inside out. And they are a new creation, never to be the same again. Because what he's done on the inside and that, that's the greatest thing. As we move on, as we, as we talk about giving the right message, there are so many places that need to hear the right message of the Lord. In our government, our local leaders need to hear, to see and we need to be getting that message from the Lord. We don't need to be getting it from our own opinions and convictions. I mean, that's what has caused many problems. We start saying, well, if the hair's this long or this short, or, you know, we can get into all kinds of foolishness. 
We need to hear from the Lord so that we can be the proper witness when we speak and when our leaders of this community listen to us, they need to be hearing the Spirit of Christ through us. The Spirit of Jesus through us. Not only there, but it's in our schools. Kids, youth, Oh, train your children to be warriors. They're not just the church of someday. They're the church of now. They're the church of right now. And I love the saying that says, as long as there's tests in schools, there will always be prayer. And that, uh, that little saying, that cute little saying, really just tells us, I know I've talked about the fact that we kind of lost the, the ground on that, but, but let, me, let me say this to us. They cannot take prayer out of our hearts. They cannot. They cannot. You can be in prayer all the time wherever you are. So youth, children, wherever you are, if you're in, in a higher university level, for the glory of God, be a warrior for Him. It's not just there as well. It's in our businesses, in the community. And again, being in prayer, but then being ready to be that, that mouthpiece, to be listening to God so that they will listen to us. Why is it that a lot of times people become angry at the church, indifferent to the church? It's because we've been giving our own message instead of God's. It's because we, we, we want to add things. Just say, God, would you move through me? Would you show, would you move in such a way in me, Jesus, that they see you, genuine, real Jesus? Amen? Then, of course, it extends to our families, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our boss. Again, those that God has placed wherever they are. Because the Scripture says in Romans chapter 1, 14 through 17, that I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So this message, Paul felt such a, a burden that he realized 
I'm, I'm not a, a tent maker. That's just my trade. I'm not. I'm just a servant of Jesus. And if we would truly find our identity in that, I know I talked a little bit about identity, and identity is, a, is an important thing because in America, we cannot find ourselves no matter how hard we try because we've got our mind and our heart set on everything that tries to define us tries to define us by wealth, popularity, prestige, all of these things, a job, where you live. I mean, you name it, we'll use it to describe who we are, all except finding our identity in Him. And until that happens, we will be miserable. What do you mean, Pastor? You mean that there can be People that are saved and in the church and miserable? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, because they're saved, but they're living such carnality, such fleshly lives that they're miserable. After being saved, they're going right back and trying the same principles of the world that have left them empty. And it's time to say, look, we're throwing those things away. I refuse to be defined by my job. I refuse to be defined by my income. I refuse to be de de defined by anything other than I am a child of the Most High. Hallelujah. And when we, when we find our identity in that, I believe we will truly understand what Paul says when he says that I am not ashamed of the gospel because I am a proclaimer. That's who I am. All right. Let's move on to the last point that Paul makes. It's not just about prayer. And it's not about us and the message. He said, oh, no, here it comes. Code of conduct. I knew it was going to come to this. No matter what they do, here it comes to this. I want us to hear this very, very carefully this morning. There has always been a way we ought to live and a lifestyle we ought to have as Christians. That's part of who we are as believers. So why is this code of conduct, Christian ethics, if you want to call it, whatever you want to describe it, what is it that we struggle with when we start talking about that as a believer, I am lining my lifestyle up in such a way? It's because... If you don't do the code of conduct by the Spirit and not the flesh, you cause sometimes irreparable harm to your family, to the community, and to the name of Christ in the church. This is true. We take a code of conduct and we make it to where we have to earn our way 
to God. Or we have to earn our way and status in his church. Well, if you were really spiritual and you had your act together, it would be. And we start making this rules and regulations that are not based on Christ living on our heart, but based on me making judgments of where someone is up and down the ladder. And I look and I say, well, I'm up the ladder higher than you. Boy, but i got to hurry up because he's ahead of me and I'm going to pass him up. And we start doing that. We start judging one another that way. And we start using this, this word that Paul uses here when he says, conduct yourself. Conduct yourself. What really is conduct? Well, again, it is a, a lifestyle. It is something that you believe in. But here is the key. I am a child of God. I am saved by grace. And if you really grab a hold of grace... And if, 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 this hel- if it helps you to close your eyes, I want you to close your eyes because I want to paint a picture for you. If closing your eyes doesn't help, then do whatever helps. But I want you to see this. When God found you, when he found me, when I was lost in my sin, when I hated him and cursed his name, when I told him that I not only would not serve him, I wanted nothing to do with him. It was there he looked at my life and said, I have paid the price by my blood. And then he looked at my life from when I was born to when I am called to glory. And he said, paid in full. So, when you really grab a hold of that, when you grab a hold of that, what it frees me up to do is not have to say, well, I wonder if I obeyed enough of the goody goody rules to feel like I've earned I'll never do it but one thing I do because of what God has done in me forgetting what is behind and pressing ahead I will serve him with all my heart because he set me free see now no longer when I fall down and I sin I don't get up and say, well, now i got to go back here and start. No, God says, you know what? I saw that when I first purchased you. That's covered. Now get up and let's go on. See, that is understanding. It is that that keeps you in the hand of God. I don't run away from God because I'm a sinner and I fail. I run to God because I'm covered by the blood. Hallelujah.
this is when this code of conduct becomes something that is a lifestyle because of the life change of God that's in you. See, then it's not a, no longer a rule list to where I, I hand somebody my rules and say, here are the rules. Check that off and see how good I'm doing and how good you're doing. But it's that, Lord, I want to do my best for you. And when I fall down, I thank you, Jesus, that you love me in spite of myself. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me incredible comfort because how many times I've stood before God and I know there have been many areas where I've said, God, does this make 1,000 or 2,000 times on the same thing I've come to you? God, am I ever... And the only way you will ever get past it is not by you externally giving a code of conduct, but by you saying, Lord, transform me by your power. And you will find sooner or later, you say, you know what? I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. I'm a child of the king. Hallelujah. That's why he says... Whatever happens in Philippians 1.27, and I have quoted this in the NIV on this scripture, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Wow. See, when that kind of a lifestyle starts, when that kind of a prayer attitude, not just a, a religious prayer happening in our minds, but no conduct to back it up. When there has been real life transformation, when we're following the Spirit and not our flesh, people will see Jesus and they will respond. Now, God does not promise you everyone will respond. There are some that looked at Jesus full of all of the fullness of God and turned their back on him. But that's not for you to decide. It's for you to be freed to live the way the Lord wants you to. Now, let's talk about this. You say, wow, Pastor Brian, you've talked about a lot of things. Where do I start what do I do? I'm glad you asked. Because I want to give you some practical helps of maybe where you would start. If you really are saying, I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be a person that says, I'm not too busy, but I will pray. Where do I start? Well, the first thing I would say is set up some time with God. Now, I am going to encourage you with something. Of those who have some of the busiest schedules, and believe me, I know, 
when you say, sometimes I feel like I just don't have any time, I want you to know that when you say, God, I'm getting ready to set up some time with you, Holy Spirit, help me be creative. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will help you if you ask? If you go before him in honesty and you say, Lord, I really don't know where I will fit this in. Would you help me? Because I want to start somewhere. And then three things that when you set time up with God, remember, it's not just one thing. It's the word, reading his word so you can hear from God. Worship so you can worship and talk to God. And then prayer, which is speaking and listening. It's, it's both. This is what I want you to see. Ten minutes. How many of you know that somewhere during a 24-hour period, ten minutes is a moment that everybody, if they really are serious, can find? Ten minutes. Ten. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I'm not going to start with ten. I'm going to start with an hour. No, don't, because you'll discourage yourself. Do you hear me? If you haven't been doing it for an hour a day, you will never do it. That's, that, it's, it, that's religious. That's not practical. I, I, I don't mean to be blunt, but that's true. Don't start with an hour when you haven't spent an hour all year. Start and say, God, I'm going to commit to you 10 minutes. 10 minutes a day. I think I can do that. Do you realize if you do 10 minutes a day, that in a week, you'll have spent 70 minutes with Jesus? Now, how many of you think that over an hour a week with Jesus will make a difference? Now, that's getting excited. An hour a week. Now, you say, well, I don't know if that's. Just start there by faith. Say, God, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. Now, if you say, God, I'm going to give you five minutes. But if you do 10 minutes a week, you do 70 minutes. If you do 10 minutes a day, you do 70 minutes a week. Do you realize that's five hours with God a month? How many of you think five hours will make a significant difference in your life if you spent five hours with God a month? Do you see? Sometimes we try to break it off into such big, pi such big parts. Just spend 10 minutes. You say, well, I don't know if that will make any difference. Well, are you making any difference now? you got to start somewhere. Ten minutes. If you did it five minutes, you would, by the way, have two and a half hours. I'll take the two and a half hours. Start with five minutes a day. And let the Lord speak to you. The second thing, practical thing, start with the ones God has placed around you and closest. Jesus says when he talks to disciples, go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Start 
with those that God has placed around you first. Start with your family. Start with your job, the people there. Start with your friends, your neighbors, those right immediately around you. Then you do have to do this. You have to say, Lord, help me to be honest about evaluating my lifestyle for you. Do I have a lifestyle that reflects Jesus? Or do I have a lifestyle that says, that person I know doesn't have a relationship with God? See, that, that's where I stand. Conduct will never earn you your way to heaven. But if you've been with Jesus, your conduct changes. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? Conduct doesn't earn salvation, but if you've been with God, your conduct changes. And then, I want to encourage you. Anyone can create a different habit in 21 days. They say about. Now, you know, I, is it 20 right to the 24-hour period? It's just a, a guideline. But within 21 days, we will usually develop a habit. You say, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't develop habits. Well, whether you realize it or not, you have habits right now. <laughs> we just don't know whether they're good or whether they're things we need to let go. <laughs> All of us have habits. I have a habit of breaking things. <laughs> I can't seem to shake that one. <laughs> but maybe when I get to glory, the Lord will perfect me. <laughs> But the point is, all of us have habits. And so we need to pray, Lord, help me create a habit for you. Help me create a habit for your name. Amen? So this is some practical things. I hope you wrote these down. I hope, really, if you're here and you say, man, I haven't spent an hour with God since I don't know when. Start with five minutes. Start with five minutes. I want to hear the reports. If you give God five minutes a day in faith, he will take it and he will bless you abundantly. Do it in faith as unto him. And watch what God does when we change, our community also changes. Bow your head and your heart this morning. It's all about saying, Lord, you know what? If I'm honest with myself, I'm so busy that I can't afford not to pray. God, I am going to start praying so you can help me. I've got so many things on my schedule that I've got to spend that five minutes praising you, hearing from you, reading a one verse in your word to chew on for the day. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus in your heart, I want to give you that opportunity. Or let's also say this. If you've invited Jesus into your heart, but you're here and, and you're far from God, you say, well, how do I know? Because the Spirit will speak to you. He will, you, you will hear the Lord speak. And if you need to rededicate your life, rededicate your heart to him, or you need to call on him for the first time, Jesus is here. He's here. 
and he is as close as the mention of his name. You call on the name of the Lord, and the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Brian, I need to make that commitment. I need to say yes. I want to receive Jesus in my heart. I want him to take out my old heart and I want his spirit in me. Would you slip your hand up and say yes? I want that. Would you pray with me, Brian? Anyone here? Anyone here? Hallelujah. I just want to take a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Then, Lord, I thank you for each and every person, Lord, that's here. And, Lord, all of us at a different place, a different schedule, a different walk and a journey with you. But, God, I pray that we would be encouraged that, Lord, five minutes... 10 minutes to you could change our life forever. God, I know what happens when I give you five minutes. I want to spend more. But Lord, I pray that you would encourage those that are here that the devil has beat on and discouraged saying, what is five minutes? You, What kind of a Christian are you? God, I pray in faith as they give their time to you, multiply it, bless it. Lord, transform their life. And in doing so, may we transform our community. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love you, North Lake. God bless you as you're getting ready to go today. It's God's day. Be intentional in your ministry. It's